This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the 4th of July weekend, TGIF. Happy birthday to the United States. Uh, And uh, it's probably going to be uh, a bit of a subdued 4th of July here in the Northeast, at least uh, at least for the neighborhood displays that we tend to have. I live in a city in Middletown. Now, it's not New York City, but it's still a, you know, a, a medium size or a small city, I guess, 50,000 people or so. But I live in a small neighborhood, and uh, there are a number of people in our neighborhood that love to fire off things in their backyards, which I absolutely hate. Look, I, I, and I, I'm not anti-fireworks. I mean, I grew up on a lake in a little town in Connecticut. We used to fire them off over the lake. But when you're in a little tiny neighborhood like this and the houses, I mean, I literally, my next-door neighbor, uh, it's about 10 feet from my house to the neighbors on either side. It's not something that's a lot of fun. Uh, the animals hate it. You know, so, uh, you know, we'll try to keep the pets inside. But, oh, jeez. You know, but it's going to be a little bit subdued, I would think. We're going to have uh, rain all day today, we're going to have rain tomorrow. Now, on the 4th of July, we're supposed to have rain in the morning, but it's supposed to clear up. So, uh, you know, but at least it maybe will limit the 4th of July fireworks to just the 4th of July since it's going to rain the rest of the time. We'll hold out hope for that. How about that? So, anyway, uh, all right, lots to get to. Let's. Uh, we're going to start off with some football news this morning. And yesterday, the NFL came down hard on the Washington football team. Well, maybe if you want to consider $10 million not coming down hard, I guess you could say that. There are a number of people that thought that they should have been stripped of draft picks or there should have been suspensions. None of that happened yesterday. Uh, The NFL fined the Washington football team yesterday $10 million um, for a basically for their workplace environment and that the the, – the team had allowed what was called a culture of fear to build up. Uh, this all stemmed from an investigation that's been going on for the last 18 months or so. After uh, 40 Washington team uh, employees talked about sexual harassment, talked about badgering, belittling um, against hundreds of women. And that it was allowed to continue by the ownership and by the people that ran the team. And so, you know, there was some thought that that when this was all said and done, that they, they may actually strip, they may make Daniel Snyder sell the team. Well, that, that was very unlikely to ever happen. 
And then, of course, there were others that thought, well, okay, if you're going to go after him, you know, take take away some draft picks, make it hurt. Now, after the announcement yesterday, a bunch of lawyers that represented some of the former employees uh, called the fine pocket change. I don't know that $10 million is pocket change. I guess for a guy that's got Dan Snyder's money, and I guess for all these owners, you know, I guess if you find Robert Kraft $10 million for the Patriots, I guess you could say, well, you know, it's walking around money for guys like that. For you and me, you know, it's jump off the building kind of money. But, uh, you know, it's still not an insignificant sum. And there is no doubt that Dan Snyder knew this was coming. He announced yesterday, by the way, that he is stepping away from day-to-day operations for the team for several months. Um, but And he knew this was coming because they just announced a few days ago that his wife, uh, Tanya Snyder, uh, is now the co-CEO. So she is going to be running the team in his absence. She will go to all the league meetings and be the face of the Washington Redskins for the next several months. There is no doubt that Snyder knew it was coming. There's no doubt that he had his wife installed as co-CEO and put her in this position because he was trying to, uh, I guess you could call it window dressing to appease people and make it look, well, look, you know, my, you know, my wife's in charge, you know, we're not that bad, you know, and, and we're trying to make it better. And, you know, look, and Snyder said that he agreed with the commissioner's decision. He, you know, he didn't say, well, no, this is all a witch hunt. (laughs) He didn't, he didn't go all Donald Trump on us and call it a witch hunt. And he said, he said, look, I've learned a lot in the past few months about how my club operated, the kind of workplace that we had. Uh, It's clear that the culture was not what it should be, but I did not realize the extent of the problems or my role in allowing that culture to develop and continue. And he said, I know that as owner, I am ultimately responsible. Yes, yes, you are. And if you didn't know the extent, shame on you. You know, you have to know that. You have to, as the owner of any company, whether it's a football team, any sports team, any business period, you have to know what is going on in your organization, especially when you've invested that kind of money and uh, with something as public as, you know, an NFL team. You got to know. So he's right. Yeah, he is responsible. Um, you know, look, I don't know how I feel about this. There's no question that, that what went on was wrong. But what are you going to do? I mean, you know, this is, uh, you know, there's been some lawsuits, and obviously they're going to have to answer to, to the lawsuits in court. Um, obviously for the NFL, it's not a good look. I get that. But I don't know how, as a league, you can go in here and take take draft picks away. This isn't, you didn't cheat the game. This isn't like the Houston Astros, the cheating scandal in baseball. This is, yes, it's wrong, but it's still an internal matter. It's still what went on, uh, how your organization was run. You didn't cheat the league. You didn't cheat your opponents. Yeah, you had some scumbags in your in your front office, but it, it didn't it didn't call into question the integrity of the game. So I don't know how you could take draft picks away. I just don't. 
Now, they could have suspended Dan Snyder. There's no question. They could have done that, and perhaps they should have. And maybe with Snyder saying that he's stepping away for several months, my guess is that there was conversations with the NFL front office, and they said, hey, look, we'll let you save face and just step aside for a little while. If you don't do that, we're going to formally suspend you. I suspect those conversations happen. I don't know that for a fact, but with the announcement of his wife being uh, installed as co-CEO and then the announcement that he's stepping away uh, yesterday, you know, it, it, it doesn't take Albert Einstein to put two and two together and, and look at uh, this was a deal that was cut behind the scenes with the NFL. And the NFL probably will never admit that, but uh, I suspect that's the case. So anyway, um, let's hope that this is the last we hear of this. I mean, it probably won't be if, the, you know, obviously if these cases go to court. But uh, I, I think that there wasn't much else the NFL could do, in my opinion. You know, all they could do was find him. I don't think this this went into the, the whole, uh, you know, draft pick thing because then you're hamstringing the team too. And that's not, you know, and, and it's not necessary. And giving their opponents uh, uh, an advantage, I'm not sure that's necessarily the right thing to do uh, for something like this. I'm not saying it's not serious. Please don't get me wrong. But, you know, uh, scumbags in the front office versus somebody cheating on the field are two different things, in my opinion. Uh, the other big story that hit um, this morning uh, with the Olympics scheduled to start here in uh, a little less than three weeks. Shakari Richardson, who a uh, U.S. sprinter who won the 100-meter race at the U.S. Olympic trials last month, uh, she of the, uh, you know, uh, the neon orange hair and, uh, uh, you know, nose piercings and, and tattoos and, you know, she became kind of a media darling. She A lot of people... Uh, like the flare and the flash, and she became a big hit. Well, it was announced yesterday that she tested positive for marijuana, and uh, auto, it, because of the positive test, her victory in the Olympic trials was automatically vacated. So she has lost her spot on the Olympic team in the 100-meter dash. Now, there is a chance, a small chance, that she could be added to the Olympic team and be allowed to compete in the relay. Now, she is going to appeal this. But, look, at the end of the day, it's cut and dried, you know, that it's that marijuana is banned by her sport. Um, there are extenuating circumstances here. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for her, but she had just found out that her biological mother had passed away. You know, and uh, and she was in Oregon, where, by the way, marijuana is legal. So she didn't do anything illegal by smoking marijuana, but it's banned by her sport. Now, having said that, why? This is 2021. This isn't steroids. This isn't a performance-enhancing drug. This is marijuana. This is the same thing by and large, by having a couple of shots of vodka before you go out to do a race. It's essentially the same thing. Now, I don't know. She wasn't smoking dope before the race. Don't get me wrong. But to me, I equate marijuana use 
with alcohol use. You can, you can, we can argue till you're blue in the face. And you can say, well, it leads to other addictions, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. You know, look, here's the deal. People with uh, alcohol are far more dangerous than people that are smoking marijuana. Alcoholism is a much larger problem in this country than people smoking marijuana. We have, uh, you know, states in the union, many of them, that have it legal or are thinking about making it legal and are making money off of selling it legally. So to have this cause her to lose her spot in the Olympic team is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. I get the rules of the rules. She, she did an interview on the Today Show this morning, and she said, look, I made this decision to do this. I knew the rules. I broke the rules. She's been upfront about it. She's not whining. She's not saying I got screwed. She's saying I get it. And she said, and I love the tweet that she put out after she got caught. Her tweet said, I am human. And for a young woman that's 21 years old out of Dallas, Texas, who just lost her mom and, uh, you know, was maybe looking for just something to dull the pain, she smoked a joint, and you're telling me that is why she isn't going to be in the Olympics, and that is just asinine. It's, we've got to make some changes. Again, if it's not a performance-enhancing drug, why the hell are we even testing for it? You know, are we going to test blood alcohol levels of people that are, you know, of athletes? I don't think they do. You know, so if a guy wants to race with a fifth of vodka in him and wins the race, are they going to tell him he can't go to Tokyo? No, no, they're not. So that's the problem I have with this. It's just silly. It's, it's, uh, it's a throwback. This isn't the 1950s, for God's sake. You know, uh, we just made it legal here in the state of Connecticut. I mean, you know, come on. And it was legal in the, uh, in the, in the state where they had the Olympic trials. So, uh, and you know what? And I'll tell you what. If the U.S. Olympic team uh, wants to uh, be like, you know, do this, and, and the rules are going to be such. Tell you what, have the Olympic trials in places where, where marijuana is not legal. Don't have it in Eugene, Oregon. I'm just saying. So I feel badly for her. Uh, you know, again, she knew the rules. She broke the rules. I get that part. Okay, I do. I'm just saying that the rules are stupid. <laughs> I mean, there's just no other way around it. This isn't steroids or, you know, human growth hormone or anything else that, uh, you know, builds muscle. It's somebody that wanted to mellow out, right? I mean, you know, I just, come on, you know, wanted to mellow out. So just silly. I, you know, I, I feel, I feel very, very badly for her. All right. Uh, switch gears. Let's switch to uh, baseball because well, that's what we do here on sports country radio. We love baseball. Um, and the numbers have come in on what has gone on in Major League Baseball since the crackdown by the commissioner's office on the sticky stuff on pitchers' fingers. The batting average, the Major League Baseball batting average across the board in June was 246. 
Now, you're going to say, well, that's not great. Uh, well, but it's kind of where we were in the last few years. It is way better than uh, it was in April and May. Now, the, the season average is still only 239. But that's because hitters hit 232 in April and 239 in May. So they hit 246 in June after the substance uh, change. Now, you could say some of that could be because of warmer weather. The ball travels farther. But the last two weeks of the season was when they were dropping the hammer on pitchers and things were being looked at. And, you know, all of a sudden pitchers had to figure out how to do things without uh, without cheating. <laughs> so I don't mean to be a jerk, but that's exactly what they were doing was cheating. Um, so we're still at 239, which, by the way, is still the lowest since the 233 in 1968, which caused Major League Baseball uh, to lower the mound. So, you know, we're still not uh, out of the woods as far as that goes. But if the trend continues, you would expect that these numbers will go up. Uh, and what's interesting is that velocity was unchanged. As a matter of fact, it actually... Uh, ticked up a little bit in June from May. It ticked up from 93.7 in May to 93.8 in June. So it had nothing to do with velocity. It has to do with movement and spin rate. The average spin rate in June was about 2,250 revolutions per minute. That's down about 100 from May and April. So there is there was a marked difference. Now what what does it tell you? And and like for instance, Garrett Richards, his numbers were down by three, four, five hundred on his balls. So by and large, it tells you that there were a bunch of guys that aren't that weren't cheating, that their numbers stayed basically the same, but the guys that were cheating, they dropped a ton. Uh runs per game. Uh we're 4.36 through June the 2nd, been 4.64 since. So runs num the runs numbers are up. The strikeouts have dropped by almost a full percentage point. So so my it's working. Some of the advantage is gone. The you know, with the pitchers now not being allowed to cheat, they are on a level playing field. And you it is pretty evident you can find out if you look at numbers for individual pitchers, you'll be able to find out who's had the most trouble. I mean, Garrett Richards is probably the poster boy right now, right? Um, you know, and there are other people that have struggled a bit more. But look at a guy like Nathan Avaldi for the Red Sox. His last three or four starts, he's been dynamite. You know, he has been uh, pitching better than he had at the start of the season. What does that tell you? He wasn't cheating. That's what it tells you. He wasn't cheating. You know, uh, Garrett Cole's spin rate numbers are down significantly. He's had a, d a couple of decent outings. He's had some bad ones. It, it's it's affecting him as well, but probably not as much as a, a, a guy like Garrett Richards. You know, and you look at Garrett Richards and say, Jesus, maybe the only reason he was still in the league was because he was cheating. You know, Garrett Cole's a better pitcher than, uh, than Garrett Richards, so uh, it's probably affected him a little bit less, but it's affected him. You wonder, did it affect... Shohei Otani, is that the reason that he walked four guys the other night against the Yankees? 
You know, I mean, you have to ask these questions and they're fair questions to ask, but it just tells you right now that it's working and it's good. It's, it's, you know, we've got to get the game back, uh, to some sense of sanity. We can't continue to have strikeouts and home runs be the only thing that happens in our game. You know, if, if you are putting the ball in play, uh, you know, it makes the game move along a lot faster. You know, we don't have all these deep counts and, you know, it just, it keeps people interested. And I think you'll have, you know, the times of games will go up as well or down as well, I should say. So, so that's where we're at as far as that go. Uh, the other thing yesterday, they named the starters for the major league, uh, all-star game. And we have nine first time starters in the all-star game that's pretty cool so nine of your um well i guess it would be 17 position players because eight for each team not counting the pitcher because the pitchers are announced later and a designated hitter in the american league they don't name one in the national league since they don't have the dh so of the 17 starters that were named over a half of them were first timers that's pretty cool uh and of course it's led by a couple of sons of former major leaguers, and one of them a son of a Hall of Famer, Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, the overall number one uh, vote-getter in the All-Star game. Uh, he becomes an All-Star like his dad was. Fernando Tatis Jr. becomes an All-Star, something his father never was. But uh, uh, Vlad Jr. and Sr. are the fifth father-son pair to be named as uh starters in the all-star game the others are ray and bob boone uh bob and brett boone uh bobby and barry bonds and then cecil and prince fielder that's it so it's pretty impressive uh the other first timers by the way marcus Semyon, guy who used to be a shortstop now a second baseman with the toronto blue jays he's got named a starter uh teoscar hernandez first time in the all-star game uh, Shohei Otani gets picked as the designated hitter in the American League. That's a first. Uh, Rafi Devers goes to his first All-Star game. And how about Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker from the Cincinnati Reds? That's pretty cool. A couple of Reds. And then Pittsburgh's second baseman, Adam Frazier. Look, Pittsburgh has not had a lot to cheer for this year, but Adam Frazier's having a hell of a year. Uh, but So those are the first-timers. And I just think that's pretty cool. I, I love that. Um, because how many times over the years have we seen it's like an automatic, you vote for a guy for the all-star game, even if he stinks, right? Even if his numbers stink because he's been an all-star game his entire life, uh, you vote for, look, there are times that, uh, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, Mike Piazza, Johnny Bench, uh, Ozzie Smith, Wade Box were named to all-star game and they went to a lot of them. And their numbers weren't what they should have been. They probably may not have been all-star starter worthy, and yet they got picked because the fans love them. Now, Mike Trout got elected for the eighth straight time. He is not going to be able to participate. Actually, it's his ninth overall, but it's his eighth straight uh, start. But uh, he's on the injured list, so he won't be able to participate, but it goes down that he was named. Uh, Sal Perez having a great year. Um, his fourth start, seventh overall appearance. Nolan Arenado is going to make his fourth straight start. Uh, Aaron Judge gets selected for the third time. Uh, and Xander Bogarts gets his second start in the All-Star game. 
Uh, so two Red Sox going. Of course, you know, you got the guys, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, as you would expect. Um, but I love it. Nine starters. And like I said, the all-star game for Major League Baseball is the only all-star game I watch. It's the only one that resembles the real game. When you watch the NBA all-star game, you know, the final score is in the 150s, 160s because nobody plays defense. It's just they get out of everybody's way so they can they can uh, go to the basket and, uh, you know, put some spectacular dunk on. Nobody, nobody bothers playing defense. Uh, the NHL, what they've done to their all-star game is a joke. Uh, the NFL, good Lord. Why anybody would ever watch the Pro Bowl is beyond me, ever. I mean, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a dumpster fire. So, but the Major League Baseball All-Star Game resembles the game. And, and I got to be honest, there's a lot of people that didn't like it. I liked it when the All-Star Game meant something. I loved when the winner of the All-Star Game got the home field advantage in the World Series. I loved it. I wish they'd bring it back. I don't think they ever will, but I thought it was outstanding. But that's just me. Uh, obviously, if it was that popular, they would have continued it. So, uh, Anyway, so 11 teams have been represented by the starters. The pitchers and the reserves are going to be determined uh, on Sunday, and it is a uh, those are determined by player voting and the commissioner's office. Uh, each all-star team has 32 players. By the way, that's the other thing I don't like. Uh, I used to like when the managers had some say as to who the reserves were. You know, and maybe every now and then they could give them, uh, you know, the, the manager would name a, a sentimental guy that people wanted to see uh, instead of a player vote, you know, in the commissioner's office. The commissioner's office is doing it now because, you know, uh, I guess they felt there was too much favoritism. But I, that, look, that, sh- that should be one of the perks of being able to manage the All-Star game. You know, you should be able to pick the reserves. Uh, so I think that's kind of BS, but eh, it is what it is. So anyway, All-Star game. Coming up here in a couple of weeks, looking forward to that. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how some of these uh, these first-timers perform. It's 31 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into what happened on the field yesterday uh, and uh, what actually happened in the front office. So the Yankees uh, uh, maybe uh, starting to get a little restless, made a trade yesterday. Might be the first of several. We will have to see uh, how that shakes out. But we'll talk about that in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call on a Friday morning. Before we get to the uh, what happened on the field yesterday, I just wanted to take a minute. This is the uh, anniversary. It was on this date in 1947 that Larry Doby was signed by the Cleveland Indians, who at the time, by the way, were owned by Bill Veck, who was probably better known as the owner of the Chicago White Sox, man who did some pretty wacky things uh, to promote uh, his games. But... Uh, in 1947, he purchased the contract of Larry Doby from the Newark Eagles of the Negro Leagues, and he became the first African-American player in the American League. So a lot of people think about Jackie Robinson, the guy that broke the color barrier, uh, but it was Larry Doby who was the first guy uh, to break that barrier in the American League. He went on to have a hell of a career. Um, he played uh, for... 17 years and ended up in the Hall of Fame. And, it, you know, what's cool now, when you go to his page on uh, baseballreference.com, 
one of the things that is cool is cool now is that they have added the Negro League stats to the pages of some of these uh, uh, guys that played in the major leagues because they are now the, the Negro Leagues have been acknowledged uh, as a part of the major leagues, and so the stats now count. So uh, Dobie ended up uh, hitting 273 career home runs, 287 career average, and as I said, Hall of Famer. So, you know, a lot of people remember Jackie Robinson, but uh, this is a good time on the anniversary of his signing by Bill Veck and the Cleveland Indians uh, to remember Larry Dobie, who broke that barrier uh, in the American League. Uh, all right, so on the field yesterday, uh, the Boston Red Sox completed the sweep of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, they beat the Royals 15-1. to I mean, it was uh, – this one was over uh, quickly. Kike Hernandez with a leadoff home run the third time in the last five games that he has done it. And, look, people have been screaming that Kike Hernandez is not a leadoff hitter. He shouldn't be leading off of the Red Sox. They should have somebody better in there, yada, yada, yada. Now, they are absolutely right. He is not a leadoff hitter. Having said that, three leadoff home runs in five games is a good thing. He also walked once yesterday, so he did get on base a couple of times. But by and large, this is not a guy you really want at the top of your lineup. But for whatever reason, um, you know, Alex Cora has been stubborn about this. Now, he and Kike have a long history. Uh, he's known Kike Hernandez since he was a young kid. So maybe that plays into it. I don't know. Uh, but be that as it may, the, the Red Sox uh, have won seven in a row, eight of ten. You know, it's kind of hard to kill them for this, right? I mean, so you just kind of say, okay, we'll just we'll just won't talk about that for a while. But it wasn't just him yesterday. Danny Santana with a home run, drove in five. Rafi Devers. With a home run, he drove in five. Uh, let's see, J.D. Martinez had a home run, his 17th. Uh, and Nathan Avaldi was spectacular. Seven innings, five hits. He struck out six, didn't walk anybody. Uh, picked up his ninth win of the season. He, go- he could have gone longer. Uh, through seven innings, he had only thrown, what, 84 pitches. He could have gone out and given him another inning. He maybe could have finished it, but why? So they bring in uh, Matt Andres. He pitches the final couple of innings. He ends up giving up an unearned run uh, as the Red Sox defense continues to uh, stumble, although the, the, the error that they charged I thought was a little suspect. It was a ball that was not a routine play. It was kind of hit up the middle, uh, and they charged an error to Michael Chavis. I wasn't sure it should have been. Uh, but at the and at that point it was a fifteen to nothing game and it may have yeah I don't know it, it didn't look like an error but whatever uh, but a great performance by Evaldi and you have to you look over his last eight starts Evaldi's five and two with a two two seven ERA so for all the problems that the Red Sox starting staff has had he has not been it he has not been part of the problem uh, you know, the Red Sox, despite their record, they're 20 games over 500, three and a half game lead in the divisions. It matches the largest lead they've had all season. Um, but despite that, they have their starters ERA is awful. It's like 4.7. It's 21st in Major League Baseball going into yesterday. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's been the bats that have been doing it, but uh, uh, great performance by Evaldi yesterday. And it gave that bullpen a break. You know, you by pitching Andres a couple of innings, you know, your big guys, you know, the Adovinos and the Taylors and, the, you know, 
Matt Barnes didn't have to come in the game, which is good because as soon as the game was over, they're on a flight going to Oakland. They play the Oakland Athletics tonight. Very unusual where you start a West Coast swing without a day off. Uh, But uh, they will play the Athletics tonight. Uh, It'll be Eduardo Rodriguez... 6-4 6-4 and four with a 5-8-3 ERA against Frankie Montas, who has uh, struggled as well this year. Uh, Erod pitched much better his last time out. So, you know, there's hope. Uh, and the other thing, if you're a Red Sox fan, you have to be happy to see the fact that they're finally winning at home. They started out the season. At one point, they were a game below 500. They were 10-11 and 11 at Fenway Park. They've gone 17-6 and six since then. So a little home cooking. And, and there, I think there is no doubt that having the fans back at Fenway has made a big difference. There is a different energy in that ballpark. So uh, good to see. Uh, as far as uh, the Royals go, whew, man, uh, you know, and I'm sure they feel like they can't get home fast enough, but they have lost nine in a row. They started out this road trip that they were on beating the New York Yankees, and they've lost every game since. They are now in last place in the AL Central. I mean, this. Uh, <laughs> Ugly. Uh, they get to play the Minnesota Twins, the two teams at the bottom of the AL Central. The Twins are just brutal as well. They've lost three in a row, and they're 14 and a half back, so that ought to be a fun series to watch this weekend. Uh, as far as tonight's opponent, uh, the A's, the A's lost yesterday to the uh, Texas Rangers. The A's have lost eight of the last 12. Uh, now, the Red Sox are going to give uh, J.D. Martinez the night off tonight, which, you know, it, you can understand uh, that's something that Cora does. He gives guys regularly planned days off. Uh, so he will not play tonight. Uh, Rafi Devers is going to be the DH tonight. So uh, we'll have to see who they put out there at third base. But it will not be uh, it will not be Devers. He'll DH. Uh, and Devers has played better defense of late. But usually anybody else you put at third base is a defensive upgrade for the Red Sox. Uh, but Joey Gallo with a home run in his fifth straight game. Uh, for the Rangers last night, and Nate Lowe also uh, hit a couple of bombs for the Rangers last night. So uh, this is an Oakland A's team that is reeling a little bit. Uh, generally, these West Coast trips don't go so well for Boston, so we'll see uh, We'll see how it works out this weekend. The bad part about it is, is they're on the West Coast for the next uh, six or seven games, and it means I get less sleep because after Oakland, they got to go play the Angels before coming uh, back home. So... Uh, it's a lot of 10 o'clock starts, which I hate. Uh, the New York Yankees yesterday announced uh, Hal Steinbrenner met with the media and said that uh, all the rumors about Aaron Boone or, you know, Brian Cashman or any of that, you know, stop. That their jobs are safe. He said, uh, you know, he is not going to make any changes in the front office or in the coaching staff. And he said at the he said, look. The majority of the responsibility lies with the players. He said, this is essentially the same team we had uh, the last two years. He said, these aren't aging players. These are guys in their primes. Now, by and large, that's true. Throw Brett Gardner in there. I wouldn't say he's he's at the end of his career. But losing Aaron Hicks this year hurt the Yankees. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I said this the other day with all the rumors about Boone. I didn't understand it. This team is loaded. This team has plenty of talent. At the end of the day, the players play. And, you know, uh, you got to be able to keep guys on the field. Luke Voigt 
you know, has spent more time on the injured list than he has playing, and since he's come back, he stunk. Gary Sanchez stunk for most of the year. He's picked it up a little bit of late, but he still stinks, and he's the worst defensive catcher in the major leagues as far as I'm concerned. You know, they uh, they got rained out yesterday. It was probably a blessing. Paul Jerry checked in this morning and said he kind of he said he wouldn't be uh, upset to see him get rained out again tonight. Uh, and they might with this rain all over the place. They're supposed to have the Subway Series with the New York Mets, another team that's struggling right now. I mean, that's going to be a dumb off in New York this weekend. Uh, but Hal Steinbrenner just said, you know, let's stop. This is not about the coaching staff or the front office or the, you know, this is about the players. They have got to do better. It's absolutely right. Uh, the Yankees did make a trade yesterday and it's kind of an under the radar kind of trade. You would I, I guess, uh, they got Tim LaCastro from the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday now, LeCastro is intriguing because he can play all three outfield positions. He's faster than hell. He's really quick. But this is a guy that this year for the Arizona Diamondbacks was hitting under 200, right? Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's stolen five bases this year, but he's not hitting. You can't steal first base, which is part of the problem. But he's a good defensive outfielder. Uh, they can move him around out there. So they're probably looking at him as a, a uh, you know, a guy that they can put out there, uh, I guess, instead of maybe Clint Frazier. You know, Frazier has struggled as well. Frazier's hitting under 200. Uh, Brett Gardner's hitting around 200. I mean, so this is going to be a mix and match kind of thing out there. Uh, but I expect the Yankees are going to make more moves. They got LeCastro for a double-A pitcher, uh, you know, a guy you couldn't pick out of a lineup. Uh, Keegan Curtis, uh, who is uh, pitched to a, an ERA of about four in, in relief. Now he's got 27 strikeouts and in 16 innings, but I don't get too impressed about that anymore because everybody strikes out more uh, than innings pitched these days. But uh, I expect the Yankees are going to make a play for some help. They are going to get themselves a starting pitcher somewhere. Uh, the name that has been floated lately, and I could see it as a possibility, Perhaps a Jose Barrios from the Minnesota Twins if the Twins are finally ready to throw up the white flag and say, yeah, we're done. Although, again, with all the talent on that team, it's still hard to see that they can't make a run. But I've been saying that since the start of the year, and they haven't. So I could see them going for somebody like that. You know, would they make a play for a big bat as well? I suppose they could. I don't know where... You know, I guess you could look for another outfield bat. You know, you know you're not – look, you know Aaron Judge is a fixture out there, and you've got Stanton as the designated hitter, but the rest of your outfield positions right now are awful. Guys aren't hitting. You know, so maybe they try to make a run at some kind of an outfielder, um, but I expect that they will make a couple of moves. And, by the way, the other thing that Hal Steinbrenner said yesterday – is that he is not looking at the luxury tax threshold as an absolute. That if they feel they have a chance to go for it, he'll be okay with uh, spending the money to go buy that. But right now, when you look at the Yankees, they are nine games back of the Boston Red Sox. They are five and a half back of the Rays, who are in second place, and they're behind the Toronto Blue Jays. Look, there's plenty of time to make a run. They have talent to make a run. 
but uh, you wonder at what point they will make a decision that it's not going to happen. But I don't think it's going to be right now. I think they will make a move before the All-Star break and see if it moves the needle. And if it does, then they'll make another move maybe right around the All-Star break. I would not be at all surprised to see the Yankees make some trade before the All-Star break, try to see how it fits, and then that will give them a couple of weeks to evaluate whether they are really in this thing or whether they just it's not going to be their year. But uh, that's the one thing we know about the Yankees. They don't stand pat. 48 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Got a few minutes left this morning before we head out for the weekend. Uh, you say Kikuchi. I tell you what, these Seattle Mariners are uh, look like they are serious about trying to hang around this year. Kikuchi with perhaps one of his best starts since coming here to the United States uh, three years ago. He pitched a one-run ball over seven innings yesterday. He is now 6-3. and three. He struck out six. He allowed five hits. He just won his third straight start, and he's 5-0 and oh in his last seven appearances. And the Mariners, with that win over the Blue Jays, are now six games back of Houston. I don't think that the that the division title, though, is where they need to concentrate. They are four and a half back in the wild card race right now. Uh, if the season were to end today, Oakland and Tampa would be your two wild card teams. But this Seattle team is now four games over 500, has won seven of the last 10, which, by the way, it's pretty amazing that they're four games over 500 when their run differential is minus 42. They've been outscored by 42 runs this year, but somehow are still over 500. Uh, but uh, a big win for them on the road. They haven't been very good on the road, beating the Blue Jays last night up in Buffalo, 7-2. Uh, to uh, Shed Long with another home run last night. Uh, Hinjin Ryu with another subpar start for Toronto after a, a pretty good start to the season. He, is, he has struggled quite a bit. Uh, now the Mariners will have a, uh, a series starting against the Texas Rangers tonight. It's a three-game set over the weekend. It will be at home. Again, this is a Texas team that sits in last place. That's 17 games over 500. Yeah, I know they beat Oakland yesterday. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, this is a, a series that uh, they can win. Now, the Rangers are sending their best pitcher to the mound tonight, Kyle Gibson, who is and 6-0 with an ERA of 2. You would expect, by the way, that he will be uh, uh, a Texas representative in the All-Star game. Uh, he's having perhaps the best year of his career. Logan Gilbert is going to get the start for the Mariners tonight. The Blue Jays uh, host Tampa starting tonight. Uh, Alex Manoa is going to get the start for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays reeling a little bit. They are eight and a half back of Boston. Uh, they have now lost two in a row. But, uh, again, they've climbed over the Yankees, and they're, they're trying to tra chase down Tampa. Uh, the Rays have lost three in a row, so they're going to look to get healthy against the Blue Jays tonight. How about the New York Mets yesterday? Thought it was going to be a slam dunk win yesterday. You know, you figure, look, you know, I, and I know it's the Braves, but yeah, have Jacob DeGrom on the mound. Well, what happened yesterday? Something we haven't seen all year. Jacob DeGrom gave up three runs, and he gave them all up in the, three, the, the first inning. He ends up giving up three runs on five hits. He retired the last 18 guys he faced. So he gives up three, three in the first and then gets six 
uh, innings of nothing. He struck out 14. He didn't walk anybody. But his ERA still went up to 0.95. And the Mets lost the game. <laughs> Freddie Freeman uh, drives in the winning run with a ball that hit off of Seth Lugo on the mound, deflected over to the third baseman who couldn't make the play at first. The bases were loaded, and so Atlanta wins it on a comebacker to the mound that Seth Lugo couldn't handle. And uh, and it was a win that, look, Atlanta needed it. Atlanta is trying to figure out a way to get back in this thing. They are uh, still three and a half back of the Mets. They're a game and a half behind Washington, who sits in second place. But Atlanta wins two out of three in this series, and it's something that they had to do. But, man, that's a tough one for the Mets to swallow. When you have your ace on the mound, uh, you expect to win that game. Um, but uh, it was not to be, so the Mets fall again, and now they've got to try to get healthy uh, against the New York Yankees. Uh, I believe uh, Taiwan Walker is going to get the start for the Mets tonight. He is 6-3 and three with a 2-3-8 ERA. It'll be Jordan Montgomery who is scheduled to get the start for the Yankees tonight. He's 3-2 and two with a 4-0-6. That series, by the way, is at Yankee Stadium. Uh, that's if they can play it. The forecast does not look great. And if Paul Jury gets their, his way, they will not play it. But that's a tough one for the Mets to swallow last night. Nolan Arenado made his return to Coors Field last night with the St. Louis Cardinals. Didn't go well for Arenado. He went 0 for 4. And it didn't go well for the Cardinals either. They lose it when uh, Elias Diaz hits a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth inning to beat the Cardinals 5-2. to two. Uh, Sensatella with a solid start for Colorado. Went the first seven, gave up two runs on seven hits. Um, and then Daniel Bard gets the win in relief as Gallegos gives up the uh, homer to Diaz. And the worst part about the home run that Gallegos gave up, it was on an 0-2 pitch. Huh. So uh, Nolan Arenado, by the way, got a nice hand from the uh, Coors Field crowd uh, in his return to Colorado. Uh, tonight it will be Oviedo. 0-4 with a 5-2-3 for St. Louis. Chichi Gonzalez, who has an ERA of about six. This ought to be a, a slugfest tonight uh, for the uh, Colorado Rockies. The Giants lose again. They've lost three in a row. The Diamondbacks beat them last night 5-3. Uh, the Dodgers are getting close. Uh, all of a sudden, San Francisco 20 games over 500, and they only have a half a game lead now over the Dodgers. The Dodgers have won six straight. And, and I'm wrong, by the way. San Francisco's now lost four in a row. Uh, tough one last night. Uh, and Merrill Kelly, seven solid innings for the Diamondbacks last night. And Josh Reddick and Paven Smith with home runs uh, as the Diamondbacks get the win at home. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you all have a great 4th of July. Stay safe. Uh, keep your pets inside. If there's fireworks in the neighborhood, they'll appreciate it. We'll leave you this morning with some pa patriotic music from Lee Greenwood. Here's God Bless the USA. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.